When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan Lobby. I'm with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Cleveland Browns just beat the Cincinnati Bengals 32-13 to keep their season alive. Um, I guess we'll just start there before we really dig into the game. Mary Kay, what does this win mean for the Browns? You know what? You said it right there at the outset, Dan. It keeps their season alive. It breathes new life into them. It gives them hope that they can hand uh, Deshaun Watson when he comes back. If they can hand him four victories, they can stay in the playoff conversation. Because if he then added five more on top of that, again, none of this is going to be easy. Uh, but if they can beat the Bucks or just keep this thing rolling a little bit, uh, it just keeps them... Uh, being able to talk about going to the playoffs in a realistic fashion. Had they gone to 2-6 and six today, it was over with a capital O. So that's what it means. They're still alive. Ashley, this is significant that Mary Kay just said that. Because I feel like you kind of were avoiding all week, just declaring it over if the Browns lost. But I knew deep down that, <laughs> that you sensed it as well, that this thing was over if the Browns lost this game. And that's sort of what I come away with here is like, I don't know if everything's fixed. I don't know if this is going to turn into a little mini run leading up to, to Deshaun Watson coming back, but at least you're going into the bye week and we're not talking about second round edge rushers. Yeah. And being in the locker room after the game, like even before guys talked to us, like you heard them like just walking around being like, man, it's so good that we got this win going into the bye. Like, that was just, like, the side conversations that were happening. It's like you felt almost like this weight lifted out of the room. And, I mean, I asked Greg Newsom about that, if it feels, you know, almost like a relief that, that they have a win going into this week off. And Greg, I thought, gave a really good answer. And he was like, it, it's not so much a relief, it's that we're hungrier now because we know this is what we should have been doing all along, like that this is how it was supposed to look, that we didn't miss a beat, even with, you know, on defense, especially guys out. So I think it was just huge, like Mary Kay was saying, like for, for morale. And I think we all know it would have just been like dead in the water had they come away with a loss in this one and had to go into a week off with these games that remain before Deshaun Watson comes back. Yeah, it would have been five losses in a row. You would have had two teams in the AFC North uh, who were 5-3, and three, while the Browns would have been 2-6. and six. As it stands now, the Bengals are only a game ahead of the Browns. Uh, the Bengals have not won a division game yet, somehow. <laughs> and, you know, really, it's, it's, it's kind of starting to feel like this is the Ravens' division to lose. But at the same time, Mary Kay, like, again, the Browns are at least, like, in it. They're there. It's, they're within shouting distance of this thing. 
Yeah, and the reason why they are is because the Ravens and the Bengals have done them some favors so far this season. No one's run away from it with it. Uh, you know, this isn't a, a one of those divisions where the top team has six victories or now whatever, seven victories or whatever the case may be. This is a situation where it's bunched up and anything can still happen. And even though that seemed like it was almost impossible to talk about at two and five, it wasn't impossible because, as you just mentioned, the Bengals are now 0-3 in the division. That could loom very large in the end. Uh, I think some of it is going to have to do with the strength of schedule going forward. And I think the Ravens have the advantage in that. Uh, the Bengals have a tough schedule. The Browns have a tough schedule. Uh, but I, I just do think that this team showed the sort of playoff, Super Bowl-y type of potential that we all thought it would have when Deshaun Watson was the quarterback. This was the team people were expecting this year. So let's just get to it. Miles Garrett. Um, this was, you know, again, I've mentioned this last week, somewhere lost in history, there is a recording of us, three things you need to know about this game. And the topic, one of the things was, if the Browns win this game, it's going to be because Miles Garrett has a Miles Garrett game. And Mary Kay, he had a Miles Garrett game today. Yeah, I mean, this this is so big about Miles Garrett. He started setting the tone for this game when he set up his yard with Stranger Things and had Joe Burrow in the clutches of Vecna and the Shadow Monster and in the tentacles in his yard. <laughs> and then he comes lumbering into the stadium with his Vecna costume on. And for anybody who doesn't know Stranger Things, we all do, but uh, for anybody that doesn't know Stranger Things, Vecna is as bad and as evil uh, and as diabolical as you can possibly get. Uh, so Miles kind of just, there was something about him. There was something in his eye when he spoke to us on Saturday. You just knew that he was going to put this team on his back and do every single thing in his power. He was so incredibly confident. He was talking about putting Joe Burrow in the dirt. And you just kind of knew uh, that that's where he was going with this. Not only that, the Bengals on that same day, basically, you know, they ruled out Jamar Chase. So those things in combination just basically said, the Browns are coming out at home on Monday Night Football, and they are going to crush Joe Burrow once again, who is now... 0-4 lifetime against the Browns. Actually, it felt like Miles went back and watched what T.J. Watt did against this team and what Michael Parsons did against this team and said, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And he went out and just, I mean, when Joe Burrow has faced an elite pass rusher this year, he's just gotten bombarded. And it's good, you know, it's good to see him do that because I think a lot of times, like, when you talk about those guys, like, they are thought of, I think, across the league as guys who can put a game on their back and just be game wreckers, right? And I don't necessarily think that that's been Miles' style all the time, you know, like in the way that it is for them or like the Bosa's or players like that. But you really saw him do it, and it was crazy. I mean, going back and watching that first sack, that spin move that he does, I watched a clip of it on, on Twitter where it was just the slow motion clip, and when Miles gets into that move, it looks like he's moving at regular speed and everyone around him is in slow motion. I mean, that's how fast it is. And I think it's impossible to block, quite honestly. And I mean, the Bengals, that's why they had a really hard time with it today. And I think that's exactly the kind of game Miles Garrett needed to have. Um, and it's the kind of game he's going to need to have, you know, in these next few weeks that the Browns are going to have without Deshaun Watson left. And then obviously once Deshaun comes back. 
One and a half sacks, four quarterback hits, a pass defense. That pass defense turned into an interception. And Mary Kay, I think those numbers, we're going to look back at this game and it's not going to tell the full story of, of Miles' performance. No, not at all, because he really set the tone with that tip. He leaped and he tipped that Joe Burrow pass and it was picked off. And that was on their first drive. And it was the third straight game that Joe Burrow against the Browns has been picked off on his opening drive. And if that ain't a tone setter, what is, right? I mean, it was the same thing last year when Denzel Ward got the 99-yard pick six. It's like, hey, we are serving notice what we are all about in this football game, and you aren't having it today. And uh, so I think that Miles' tip was huge. Then he came back maybe on the next drive uh, and just blew up the drive on an eight-yard sack. And, you know, he was, he was relentless. And their offensive line, their overhauled offensive line, was just no match for him and this D-line tonight. And Greg Newsom admitted it after the game. They remembered those things, Ashley, that the Bengals said over the summer. He tweeted not that long ago on site. By the way, we were having a debate in the media room. Is it on no, site or on S I G H T? It is. You, Greg Newsom's emojis certainly confirm it is S I G H T. Yes. Which is what we eventually landed on. I was going to say it wasn't so much a debate as it was you debating it, <laughs> and then me being like, "Wait, what's the context of this?" and correcting you with the you know the the slang of today from the you know twenty something millennials, Gen Zers, which you know I do fall into the millennial category, but. Anyways, it's not surprising, right? Like, Greg Newsom is one of those guys who hangs on to things. Like, we remember, of course, the PFF graphic where it was ranking best cornerback duos in the league and it left him and Denzel Ward off. And Greg has been honest about the fact, like, he saw a screenshot of that. I think these guys really feed on it. And for whatever reason, I mean, I picked the Browns to win this game in large part because I just feel like they have the Bengals number. It's it's also why we did our like offense, defense, all Ohio podcast, why I fought like so hard uh, against the Bengals offensive line, because I kind of foresaw something like this probably coming tonight. Um, and we were joking about it, but it seems like the way the Browns are built, it just truly is like the antidote to stop the Bengals these last few years for whatever reason. I mean, they they really do just seem to have their numbers at this point. Five in a row now against the Bengals, like you said, Mary Kay. Joe Burrow has not beaten this team. And really, I mean, I guess he came close once, but, I mean, the last two haven't even been, the game's been over before it's even started. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty incredible because, you know, when you look at the future of where this team wants to go, the Cleveland Browns, of course, want to win a Super Bowl. It's why they went out and got, got Deshaun Watson. And the number one thing that you have to be able to do most of the time is win your division to do that. And they do have the Bengals' number. They don't necessarily have the Ravens' number at this point, uh, but they certainly have the Bengals' number. And, um, you know, the Bengals, if they want to get back to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to learn how to beat the Cleveland Browns. And it's kind of funny to hear that, but, but it's the truth. The Browns really have got, you know, Joe Burrow's number, and it's going to be hard for him uh, to get past them unless they get this straightened out. Okay, let's take a break, and then when we come back, we'll say nice things about Jacoby Brissett. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast post-game edition. It is early in the morning on, what is today, Tuesday? Uh, Browns bye week. They beat the Bengals to move to 3-5 and five on the season after eight games, 32-13. to 13. So we talked about Miles Garrett. We talked about the defense. 
Let's talk Jacoby Brissett and Amari Cooper. Jacoby today, 17 of 22, 278, one touchdown. Uh, did have a turnover. He was strip sacked. Uh, they originally called it an interception. They changed it to a, a strip sack and a fumble. Kind of a weird play where Jacoby just got a little bit overwhelmed. But a 133.7 rating, probably his best game. Not, not probably, his best game as the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Mary Kay, I think of all the things today, like watching this game, I felt like, A, the Browns played really well. They did a lot of things really well. A lot of things went their way for once, and they got good Jacoby. And I think all of those things kind of combined to this turning into just an absolute blowout. Just everything aligned finally for this football team. And it just seems like that hasn't happened yet this year. And, and we saw what it could look like when Jacoby... Not that you're going to expect this performance out of Jacoby every game. Sometimes you're going to get good Jacoby, sometimes bad. But they got good Jacoby today, and we saw what it can look like. Yeah, and and not only that, not only did, was he good in the passing game, but once again, uh, he did some things with his legs that are so incredibly helpful. He does that every single game. It's underrated. It's a very underrated part of his game. He's not fast. People tease him about that. Miles teased him about that in post game. But he gets the job done with his legs. And one of the ways he did that tonight was he rushed for a three yard uh, touchdown, and and that was that was pretty big. It was uh, when they came out in the second half. He rushed for a three-yard touchdown, and he talked about how uh, he just it was just still on his mind and on his heart that he threw that interception and, and at the end of the Chargers game and just felt really bad about that horrible mistake that he made. And this time he was going to atone for it, and, and he did so by you know running around the left side and into the end zone. And um, so you know that was really good, and he was tremendous with Amari Cooper. Those two guys really had the connection going. They took full advantage of a completely depleted Bengals secondary. They were without their starting cornerback, Eli Apple, and then they lost more cornerbacks during the game. They were way down into their depth, and Jacoby took advantage of it, hit a lot of big plays, especially to Amari. Yeah, Ashley, I just thought that, what was it, a 53-yarder that led to the, the second Nick Chubb touchdown kind of, I don't want to say put the game away, the game was over, but it was like the exclamation point. I thought like like that was just like all right. This is, I mean, was this Jacoby's masterpiece here? In this? Is, can we call this Jacoby's masterpiece? Uh, well, I, I guess it's probably as close to a masterpiece as you're gonna get, right? I mean, like there was still that mistake in there with the the lost fumble. Like we said, he, he just kind of panicked during that play when you watch it back, but. Yeah, I mean, I think this is what good Jacoby looks like, right? The problem is that good Jacoby is not has not been consistent through this point of the season, and he's kind of been prone to making some big mistakes, especially with giving the ball away um, that that don't live up to his reputation as a game manager. So when Mary Kay talks about you know him him saying that the, especially that Chargers game weighed on him, it's kind of understandable why because that hasn't been a part of his reputation before. But yeah, I mean, I think this is what good Jacoby looks like in this offense. And like you said, Dan, it's, it's the highlight of his time as a Brown. I don't know if I'm willing to go so far to say masterpiece, but it's definitely as close as you're going to get, I think. Yeah. And, and just kind of following up on what you were saying, Mary Kay, about that secondary, the Bengals lost um, Chidobi Awuzie, who's their best corner. And it doesn't look great. Just kind of searching around, uh, he was carted off uh, when he came to the sideline. 
And I couldn't tell if, if it was him, but it looked like he was on, on crutches after the game. But, again, you don't want to speculate what that injury was, but it was a knee injury. He was ruled out. Um, and that could have implications long-term as well as, as we kind of move forward and go through this season. Uh, Amari Cooper didn't throw a great pass, but <laughs> played a great game. Uh, five catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. And this comes after Jerry Jones is saying to r- reporters that he could see himself trying to add a receiver before the trade deadline. And, you know, maybe some folks are sitting here wondering, what are the, you know, are the Browns going to add anybody or trade anybody? And you kind of remember, well, they did add Amari Cooper back in the offseason for a fifth-round pick. Uh, Amari Cooper has been fantastic for this team, and today was just another example. He really has, and I've said this several times. Uh, Jerry Jones was basically foolish to let Amari Cooper go and to let him go for a fifth-round pick. And he did that because Amari Cooper missed a couple of games last year because... Uh, you know, he had COVID or something like that. It was, it was not, in my mind, not a good reason to give up on a great receiver like that. So Cowboys fans should be mad at Jerry Jones <laughs> for letting Amari Cooper out the door for a fifth-round pick. But that's the Browns' good fortune, good deal uh, by Andrew Barry to come up with Amari for that nominal, nominal price. So, uh, yeah, really good game by him. Uh, he, he makes some really spectacular acrobatic catches. He is a really, really good receiver. It's so easy to see why he's a four-time pro bowler. Yeah, Ash, I mean, you just, you just watch him, and it's like, like, yeah, it's easy. I can't really add anything to that. It just looks easy. And on that big, like, 53-yard catch, I mean, he just smoked two Bengals defenders. <laughs> like, one guy was chasing him, couldn't catch up, another guy comes over, and Amari's just gone. And, I mean... There, there really isn't much left to say about it. I mean, I think this is what you envision a guy like Amari Cooper doing for your offense when you make the trade to go get him. I think that's why it was so important that they did make the trade to go get him or a guy like him because it this offense last year, I mean, just was lacking that, and it was obvious, and obviously some of that was Baker, but he just can be a game-changer. He is a true number-one receiver. Okay, let's talk about one more guy here. Nick Chubb was fantastic again, 23 for 101, two touchdowns. But you know who else is really good? Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. Turns out Kareem Hunt's a pretty good football player. 42 <laughs> rushing yards, uh, was targeted four times, caught all four for 30 yards. I think maybe was a little overhyped a couple times. They were a little bit like, eh, okay, maybe you were a little too aggressive there or whatever. But Kareem played really well today. I mean, is this it? I mean, is this was this the last game for Kareem Hunt? I, I, maybe when people listen to this, they'll have an answer to that question or not. But just sitting here on our post-game pod, Mary Kay, did we see the last of Kareem Hunt in a Browns uniform? You know, it, it's hard to say. There was nothing imminent as of a day or two ago. It was unlikely to happen. So if it does happen, it will be an 11th hour trade that arises tomorrow. And sometimes those things do happen on the day of the trade deadline. Someone realizes, look, we need that guy. And it wasn't there, again, it wasn't there yesterday and it wasn't there the day before, but it could get there tomorrow. And he would like to be somewhere else, potentially. Um, You know, actually he would like to be here more than anything. This is his hometown team and he wants to help the Browns win. But the writing is on the wall and because it's on the wall, he is willing to go somewhere else. 
Uh, I think they should keep him. I don't think it's worth it. I think tonight showed why he's important and how he can help this team, especially now that they are still alive. Yeah, Ashley, I mean, this is something we've talked about in the Hey Mary K-Pod, but the Browns have to judge, like, is keeping Kareem around? Because you know he's going to show up and play. Is keeping him around more valuable than whatever, a conditional fifth-round pick or something. Yeah, I mean, that was the joke. I think you made that joke during the game tonight on one of Kareem's uh, more monster runs. You're like, is the conditional fifth-round pick going to do that? Like, probably not. Um, I do think, you know, I'm, I'm a person who I've never think that there was enough Kareem Hunt in this offense, especially the last two weeks and some of these runs and, and you know, the little uh, receptions he had today, he really did live up to that Tasmanian devil nickname, just the way he runs. And I do think he just adds another level to your offense. I think the fact that he was targeted four times and caught all four, I mean, I think that is just a great like confidence booster for Jacoby Brissett. He is very reliable off that screen game, especially. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it, it, we were laughing. He does his press conference after the game at his locker and his Joker mask that he wore for Halloween. And we're like, if this is the last time we hear from Green Hunt as a Cleveland Brown, like what a way to go out on your own terms. Okay. I think we hit everything. Did we, did we miss anything here? I think we got Miles. We got Jacoby. We got Mari. We got Kareem. All right. I think we got everything. We're going to come back. Uh, with a little bit of a longer podcast for you. on uh, It'll post on Wednesday. Uh, if something happens at the trade deadline, we'll talk about that. If not, we'll talk more about this game and kind of where the Browns stand at the bye week. So just subscribe to the Orange Brown Talk podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And, of course, become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>